Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Reading out of the uh, New King James here initially, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Uh, If you've been with us the last several weeks, last week we celebrated Easter and even the week before that, we've been talking about fields. We've been talking about what's in the dirt, amen? And uh, we've been talking about, uh, uh, kind of been in this tangent. And so um, I just felt the Lord leading us to kind of stay in this direction. You know, the miracle of Easter and the, the, the miracle of what we celebrated last week, the miracle of the cross and the miracle of the resurrection is not that we can die a new life, a, a new death, but that we can live a new life. I said it's not that we can just simply die a new death, although that's typically where we go when we think about the cross. I need to get saved so that what? I can go to heaven when I die. But up, up until that point of death, uh, uh, we aren't concerned uh, with our lives. But the, the greatest miracle of the cross is that it's a starting line, not a finish line. It's a starting point. It's actually a birthing, as we saw last week. When you, when you plant something and you begin to re- reap that harvest, there is a, a, a newness that shows up. Uh, you may remember the day you came into the kingdom. You may remember, if you haven't reflect on it, reflected on it recently, you ought to, uh, because it's just an amazing thing to think about, the miracle of coming out of darkness into light, coming out of death, receiving new life in Christ, and the old things are gone, and the new has become. And you remember that newness, that freshness that just comes over you. Look, there's still things you're dealing with, things you're growing in. You got to learn more about the word. Absolutely. That's not the end, but there's just this freshness. It's like, uh, yeah, you just feel new. And Typically, when I meet new believers, typically when, when I come into contact either with someone that has just been born again or that has been born again but hasn't really developed in their spiritual growth and their spiritual walk with the Lord, uh, probably the most common question that I get isn't necessarily what, isn't necessarily when, Sometimes, a lot of times, it's not even why. They usually have this question, how? How do I be a Christian? How do I read my Bible? How do I pray? How do I be a good church member? How do I be a good Christian? How do I be generous? It's usually this this context of we know where we start and we have an idea of where we end, 
but it's the thing in the middle, it's the process in the middle where we, we are confused, where we don't really know how this plays out. And, and look, this Bible is over 2,000 years old. So unless you just really understand the word of God, it can be confusing pretty quick. Anybody ever been confused by the Bible? Anybody ever read this and been like, how does this relate to me? How do I apply that in my life? And it's absolutely relevant to our lives today. Absolutely. We know the word of God will never pass away. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of God will stand forever. We know this. But then we enter into the the process of growing in the Lord, the process of walking uh, with him, the process. And it's in the process where the confusion begins to show up. And that's what this passage is showing us in verse 26, starting over. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And so we've already seen, we saw last week, that God always begins with a seed. Everything in your life begins in seed form. And so many times we miss the seed because we're looking for the tree. So many times we, we miss what it looks like when it's first given to us because we're expecting God to give us something that's fully mature. We're expecting God that when God meets our needs, even what we were just talking about, that when we're believing God and we're putting our faith towards something, we expect God to give us the finished product the end result. Because we know we have a vision of what that looks like. But it always starts with the seed. If If we don't ever grasp the concept of the seed, if we don't ever grasp the concept of how God uses seed in our lives, so many times we we devalue and even mismanage the seed that God has placed in our hand. The seeds the opportunities, the moments with our children, with our marriages, with our jobs. I'm gonna tell you many times, uh, you know, I I heard someone use this example one time as an illustration that you you could go in your prayer closet, get on your hands and knees, just wear yourself out, pray the hardest you've ever prayed and say, God, I need a table. I need a table so bad. God, give me a table. I I don't want, I I just need a table in my life. Give me that table. And then God will redirect you and say, here's a tree. Oh no, God, no, no, no. You don't don't hear me. I need a table. That that tree doesn't help me. I need a table. I need something flat that I can put stuff on. I need need, uh, something that I can sit at and eat. I I need something that I can work at. And he says, yeah, there's the tree. So what he's doing is he's giving you the ingredients and then expecting you to work it and make it into what you need. You have the ingredients in your life. You have the ingredients. So we can't neglect what we have while trying to get something that we need. In fact, we ministered on Wednesday and and actually one of our points from Wednesday night was the fact that many times to get what you need, you've got to use what you have. A tree is a table. It's just in a form that you actually have to do something with it, that we actually have to work it. 
that we actually have to use our hands and we have to put some skill to it. And so, you know, this farmer, what's the goal for the farmer? The farmer doesn't want just the field. The farmer doesn't just want seed. The farmer doesn't just want sunlight and soil and water. He wants what all those things will make when they're all brought together, when it, be, when it creates an environment where the seed can now grow. You see, you can't expect a harvest from what you don't plant. You can't expect a harvest from what you don't plant. You, the Bible clearly says, Galatians chapter 6, you will reap what you what? Sow. Sowing precedes reaping. How many times are we trying to reap where we haven't sown? How many times are we expecting a harvest, but we haven't planted anything? No, the first step, the starting point is the seed. And that's what last week was. We recognize that Jesus, John chapter 12, was a seed planted. We said that Jesus was not buried in the ground. He was planted because unless a grain of wheat falls and dies in the earth, it cannot reap a harvest of souls. So God follows his own principle of sowing and reaping. God's not asking you to do something that he wasn't willing to do. God wanted sons, so what did he have to do? Sow a son, because you always get a harvest from what you sow, and you always get a harvest according to what you sow. Some of us are harvesting and reaping back Malice and hatred because we're sowing malice and hatred. If you want to have friends, you got to first be a friend. Sow some joy into someone if you want someone to sow some joy into you. If you want to reap it, you've got to sow it. I mean, we talk about this a lot, you know, uh, uh, according to finances. If you want to reap a harvest financially, you got to sow something financially. But it works in every arena of life. You want peace in your life? Where are you sowing peace? You want hope in your life? Where are you sowing hope? And you know, the, another thing, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives us the parable of the sower, and there was nothing wrong with the seed. There was nothing wrong with the sower. It was the soil that was the problem. And I just throw this out there as just a little nugget. Sometimes we're sowing in fields that can never produce what we need to reap a harvest. You keep sowing in places and it's just choking it out. It's sucking it up. It's just falling off to the wayside. You, you, you keep trying to help people that won't help themselves. You, you, you keep trying to, to invest in things that are never, never gonna produce for you. And sometimes you gotta know when not to sow. And sometimes you got to know where not to sow. And sometimes you got to recognize this ground is dried up. This valley is no, is no longer bringing forth anything. It's time to dry it up, move it on. Amen. Sowing can be a complicated thing. I mean, I, you know, he uses this word, if a, uh, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed. And when I think scatter, uh, I think of, you know, my son's bedroom. You know, uh, toys scattered everywhere, thrown about with no intentionality. But the word actually in the Greek is the word sow. And sow is intentional. 
So has urgency behind it. So says, I am expecting something when this goes in. You can't sow carelessly. You can't put seed in the ground casually. You can't do it accidentally. No, you've got to be watching over it, caring for it. It's not just throwing it out there. Okay, God, there it is. I sowed it. Now, where's my stuff? No, there's intention behind it. Kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And so this seed is where we all have to start. But then verse 27 says, and should sleep by night and rise by day. Now that's an interesting thought because the sleeping only follows the sowing. The sleeping or the rest follows the sowing. I, I, I know there's times in my life I've been so anxious, so worried, it has what? Kept me up all night. Having trouble falling asleep. Anybody been there? It just runs in your mind. And you know what? Almost every time, almost every time, sometimes it was attacks of the enemy because he wants to take away your rest because if he can wear you out, then you're no good to function in the earth. But sometimes I can come to the conclusion, I'm not getting any sleep because I didn't do any sowing. The farmer is able to rest because he's what? Done his part. The farmer is able to get a good night's sleep. He's able to sleep at night and rise the next day because he sowed. Sometimes our anxiety and sometimes our concern and sometimes what, what, what's keeping us uh, uh, wore out, so to speak, that's just a reference to being rested. Uh, uh, the, what, what's keeping us so wore out is the fact that we're not actually doing any sowing. We're not actually making the investments we need to make. We're not actually putting the seed that God has given us in the ground. There's a difference between burying something and planting something. If you remember the 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 parable of the three servants that were given talents, one, five, one, two, and one, one. And the five and the two went and what? They traded or they planted their seed. That talent, that the, the talent was seed. The talent wasn't a birthday gift. <laughs> Here you go, here's five talents, go do whatever you want. No, no, no. They knew the master was gonna expect a harvest when he returned. And so they took the five, traded it, got five more. Took the two, traded it, got two more. We've done good work. Faithful, uh, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little. Now you'll be made ruler over much. But then the one guy, he did what? He went and buried his in the ground for fear of losing it. So that seed, you've got to invest it. You've got to pour it into something. But the rest comes once we have sown the seed. I don't want to be anxious about what God has given me. I want what God has given me to produce a harvest for the kingdom of God. Amen? He should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. But here's the phrase I want to to look at. But he himself does not know how. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First, the blade, then 
the head. And after that, the full grain in the head. And when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. We know where to start. And if you didn't, you know now, you start with the seed. You start with your hat, with what you have. You start with what's in your hand. You start with what opportunities. I, I mean, I get asked so many times, you know, should I go do this? Should I go do that? And I said, most important thing, the most important thing is that you don't allow what's next to get your eyes off of what's now. Don't allow what is next to deter you from what is now. Because see, where the enemy can't destroy you, he will attempt to distract you. Where the enemy can't destroy you, take you out, make you unfruitful, he will attempt to distract you. And I have found many times he will distract me by getting me focused on the stuff that I cannot do, on the stuff that I cannot change, on the stuff that I am powerless over. And while I'm focusing on what I cannot do, I'm neglecting what I can do. Is anybody with me? The enemy wants us to be concerned about what the seed's doing in the ground. He wants us to be concerned of how is this really happening? Is it really even gonna work? Are, are, so you, you, you're, you're tithing. Does your tithe even work? Does your tithe even really affect your finances? Are you just really, are you just losing money? And, and the church just keeps saying they need this and they need that. Or are you following the instruction and believing? You know, I don't know exactly how it works, but I know that I'm following the instruction and I'm obeying what God has commanded through his word. And I just know that it's going to reap a harvest. If I stay the test of time and I endure through the process, I will see the results yield in my life. But the enemy wants us concerned. Uh, uh, you know, so here's what the doctor says. And, and so now you're standing and believing in faith. And now he wants to get you all distracted on how it's gonna play out, how it's gonna work. Well, they're, they're gonna, what if they don't come back with the report? What if it doesn't go away? What if it spreads even more? What if they die? What if, well, how are we gonna pay for the funeral? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do that? Uh, you know, how am I going to get back to work? I'm going to lose my, he wants you focused on all the stuff that hasn't happened. And while the, yet you are neglecting what you have control of. You have control of your faith. You have control of your belief system. You have control of your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have control of your mental capacity to, 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 to stay meditated and find yourself grounded on the word of God. You can control that. And then you let what happens underneath the earth run its course. But man, when it gets under the earth, out of sight, out of mind, that's when our minds start running. That's when we start trying to figure things out. No, he said, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's not uh, to say that we're just some dumb, stupid people down here on earth and, and we're just, you know, here just going with the flow and, you know, God's just so much wiser and greater. No, no, no. He's saying, I've got another plan that maybe you haven't thought of yet. I've got another way of performing this in your life that maybe you've never seen before. I've got, I've got more miracles than what you read about in the word. And so many times we limit God by reducing him to our idea of what he can perform and how he can function. He's a limitless God. 
He's a God that can do anything. He's a God that can do everything. He's a God that is not a liar. He is a God that's a promise maker and a promise keeper. He's a God that can perform miracles on the daily as if it's a normal function for him. He's a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. You haven't even thought of it yet. You haven't even asked for it yet. And he wants to go above and beyond that. He is a God, but yet we want to confine him and restrict him with the how. With the how. How do I do this? And so the enemy wants to distract us with what we can't do to keep us from what we can do. To keep you. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe in a, in a sports arena where you'll have athletes and one athlete will know that skill and talent wise and ability wise, the guy on the other, lined up on the other side is better than me, stronger than me, faster than me, has done more than me. Well, how do you beat that guy in their head? If you can beat them in their mind, you can beat them in their skill. You can beat them, it's called mental games. And all that stuff's going on. We might not hear about it all the time through the television set or in the stadium, but that stuff's going on. They're trying to get in the other person's head. You ever listen to some of these post-game interviews? You ever listen to some of these interviews? You know, we've got the NBA finals going on and, you know, uh, you know, everyone's trying to take down the Golden State Warriors. I'm gonna tell you right now, the only way they're going down is if they defeat themselves, which is very much possible. Well, the enemy's figured out the same thing. That's why he wants to roam around in your mind, attacking your thoughts. That's why the Bible tells us to what? Cast down every thought and every imagination that, because if you don't cast it down, you'll end up thinking on it and it will end up ruling you instead of you ruling it. The imagination is the, one of the greatest things that God has given you but it can also be one of the greatest hindrances to seeing God work in your lives because you'll use the imagination that was supposed to be used for great things and it will be turned to you, turned against you for negative things. You've heard me say it before that, you know, if you're really good at worrying, you can be really good at faith. Come on. I mean, if you can imagine that stuff happening, then why can't we imagine the promises of God coming to pass? I actually have a word on the promise of healing. I actually have a word on the promise of overcoming. I actually have a word. That other stuff is just the enemy trying to put thoughts in my mind that it's not gonna work, but I have God's word that it will work and he will come through. Why not just imagine? Why not just put faith? Why not just meditate on what God can do? Worry is meditation. You realize that, right? It's meditating. But God said, meditate on my word day and night. Be strong and of good courage. I've given you the land. Everywhere that the sole of your foot treads, it's yours. It belongs to you. I've already promised this to your forefathers. Now go in and possess it. Be strong and of good courage. Meditate on my word day and night. So if we can do it with worry, you can do it with faith. Look at your neighbor, say, you can do it. Look at him, tell him, you can do it. You can do it. 
You know, I've noticed in life that many times we use knowledge as perceived obedience. Many times we use knowledge as perceived obedience. This was the Pharisees issue was the fact that they knew something. Therefore, they thought that automatically translated into obedience and being in right standing before God. Knowledge is something that should be obtained. The Bible tells us to pursue knowledge and the Bible tells us to pursue understanding. The Bible tells us uh, that we should uh, 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 desire to grow in our knowledge of God. In fact, the Holy Spirit comes to illuminate our spiritual knowledge and our spiritual understanding. But knowledge is not automatically obedience. Obedience has been required of man since Genesis 1. Obedience has been a staple to God. Not in a religious way, not in a condemning way, but in recognizing that in following God's word and God's instructions, that is how we see the fruit of his word in our lives. That's how we see God's word yield results in our lives. Any area that I am uh, uh, out of alignment in with God or with his word, I can expect it to produce negative or opposite results in my life. The success of a believer is not in what you know, but in what you do with what you know. It's in what I do with what I know. What are, what are we doing with what we know. If, if this farmer knew the whole process of how the seed goes in the ground and he was able to, to explain that to the nth degree, but failed to put the seed in the ground, do you think that he would be able to reap a harvest? Absolutely not. It's not the knowledge of a thing that helps me. It's the application of the knowledge of the thing that helps me. And I can tell you right now, I got in my vehicle and I drove here, but I do not know how that thing works. Other than I get in the car, I get in the truck and now I've got this one that I don't, there's, there's no key ignition thing. You literally just get in with the little key fob, push a button and the brake at the same time. And it starts. I don't know how. I don't see the, 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 the little air waves, uh, you know, lightning bolts coming out of my key fob and going into my car the same time I push the brake and the little button. I, I don't know how. I, I mean, even when I had a key ignition thing, I, I, I don't know what I'm even doing inside there. I know when it's broken and I know when it works. That's it. I don't know right now how I'm using a microphone that's not plugged into anything is making my voice louder and amplifying my voice as I'm talking to you right now. I don't know how this stuff works. I don't know how it functions, but I'm telling you right now, it's the application of it, regardless of what I know, that allows me to yield the results of it. 
even if I could explain to you all the technicalities of audio frequencies and how this microphone is projecting some type of frequency that's picked up to some unit in the back and then that's plugged into our soundboard and then there's a volume switch on there and that can go up and down. I, I don't know. And look, they're in full control right now. They can mute me at any time. They won't, but they could. I don't even have full control of the thing. How many times do we feel like we have to be in control to really understand what's going on? Can we allow God to run the show and just say, what's my part? Let me know. What I want, where do I need to be? When do I need to do it? I don't need to know how. I just need to know that when I apply it. I mean, let's say, let's say you know, Kyle needed help with lunch today. And so I can tell him about what $20 can do. Well, man, if you had 20 bucks, you know, you could, you could go to McDonald's, you could go to, go to Five Guys, upgrade it a little bit. I mean, you could get something good there. Get some Cajun fries, get you a milkshake. I could tell him all about what $20 can do. And then he's like, okay, you, you got, you got, can you help me out? I don't have $20, I'm just telling you about it. Does that help anybody? I don't want to just talk about what the results of the word can do, but I want to be able to give people something that I actually have. I want the application of it to actually produce results in their lives. I don't want to just talk about healing, but say, let's pray right now. By his stripes, you were healed. Hello. Come on, we got to be equipped. We've got to be, be people that know how to apply the word of God, not just know about the word of God. I don't want to just know about God, but I want to know God and the power of his resurrection. And I want to be able to produce the results of the power of his resurrection because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. I possess that power. I don't want to just sit on a street corner preaching about the power of resurrection. I want to be able to produce the power of the, resur the resurrection. I was at an event. I, I think it was at your event, and somebody was wearing a T-shirt that said, ask me, to, ask me for prayer or uh, ask me to pray with you or something like that on the T-shirt. And I was like, that's a bold T-shirt to wear. And nine out of a, Ten, nine out of 10 people won't ask, won't stop and say, hey, I, I do need prayer. But amazing results if you get one out of 10 and say, I, I saw your shirt and I, I'm going through something and I need prayer. And then to know that your prayers work. When I pray, I don't, I don't just tell people how to pray. I pray with them. I don't just tell people, well, man, we'll be praying for you. Stop everything, what you're doing. It does not take long. And you can pray with them on the spot. Watch what it will do for their faith. And then you get the results of the prayer. We've always said as a church, we're not a church that prays. We're a church that gets answers to prayer. Every religion prays. In fact, other religions do a way better job than Christians at praying. They've got it down to a formality. They, they got a certain time and day and certain direction they face. They got a certain prayer they pray every time. They're way better at it than we are. 
but we've got the, we are the ones that have prayer that literally yields results, literally brings things to pass, literally moves heaven to earth. When we pray according to his will, when we pray according to his word, and we pray that your will be done on heaven or on earth as it is in heaven, we can expect to see that happen. But we don't do it. So what good is the knowledge of a thing without the application of it? No, the farmer has a role to play. He might not know, but obedience will trump knowledge every time. It's following the instruction that God has given. It, it, it's, it's yielding my life to him and saying, I, I don't need it all. And, and look, you might be like me. I'm the kind of guy, I've got to have it all spelled out, plain, you know, in clear view. I have a hard time pulling the trigger sometimes. I have a hard time taking that step, uh, uh, not just spiritually, but even naturally in things because I want to see it clearly outlined. I want to know how it's going to go. I want to know the process. I don't want to get in halfway and find out it looks nothing like what it was the in, intended to be. But you know what? That's where faith comes in. Faith comes in and says, this might not go according to plan because it's not your plan, it's God's plan. And in the end, the result that you want it to be uh, yielding in your life will come to pass. But it's the process. It's the process. It's the seed going in the soil. And then, and then look, he, he gives us the order. He says, uh, for the earth yields crops by itself. First, the blade. This is what the earth is doing. So first, I've got to take the seed. I've got to be obedient with the seed. Regardless of the knowledge, I've got to follow the instruction. I've got to put the seed in the ground. Those little opportunities, those little moments, just obeying the Holy Spirit, just being sensitive to when he speaks and says, do this, do this, do that, give this, go here, uh, say this, say that. When he's given those instructions, those are my seeds. Those are my seeds. And do I cast it aside because it doesn't look like what I need? Do I, do I bury it? I'm too busy. I mean, look, we have all been faced with the challenge in our walk with the Lord where we receive an instruction, no matter how small, no matter how great, where we have the question of how does this produce that? How does asking this person for forgiveness heal the relationship? How does walking in love towards my, step, my spouse produce a fruitful marriage? How does raising my kids in church and encouraging them to, to value the word? We have this challenge throughout our walk. You'll never be removed from it where what God gives you doesn't look like it has the ability to produce what he's promised you. How do Israelites coming out of Egypt, out of over 400 years of generational bondage and slavery, get me to the promised land? And even though I've walked through the Red Sea, I've seen water come out of a rock, manna on the ground, birds bringing us dinner, God fighting our battles before us. Even though I've seen these things time and time again, 
when I get to the promised land and actually set my eyes on it, I still talk myself out of the promise because I didn't believe the process. Because we had the question of how. How? When the angel came to Mary and said, you're gonna give birth to the Savior. You're gonna give birth to the Messiah. You're gonna carry God's son. What was her first question? How can this be? How? How can this take place? But that is always where we have to leave it to God. And then the earth begins to yield and there's an order, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain in the head. So the next thing we have to understand is we can't get things out of order. There's an order. God uh, has an order to how things take place. And many times we wanna jump the order. We wanna skip parts. We wanna remove uh, items off of the list. But he's saying, no, no, no. You've got to follow my, if you honor the system, honor the, the order, honor the process that I have in place, then you'll see the result. God works in systematic ways. God is not s- sitting up in heaven, uh, just you know, looking down on us at earth and saying, okay, when, when are we gonna do it? Uh, uh, give them three more minutes, see if they can still stay in faith. No, 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 he's, he's looking for things. He's, he's, there's a system that he's watching for. There's a process that he, he's, he's working to maintain. And if we don't honor the process, we won't see the promise. If we don't honor the process, we, we, we want that tree the next morning. It says he sleeps at night, he rises by day and it begins to sprout. But he, he's very clear. He, he, he's very intentional that you're gonna begin to see things happen in stages. You're gonna begin to see things happen through the process, that there are things that are gonna begin to come through and you can't deny small beginnings. You can't despise what it looks like in a small opportunity because you might just get a little sprout. And it might not be good enough for you initially, but you got to stay with the process. Stay the course. Endure through the process. Amen. And then he says in verse 29, when the grain ripens, when the grain ripens, when the grain ripens, immediately, He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. When the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle. You can't wait. You can't wait. I know that a lot of us think that if we saw the harvest today, we'd be going to get it. But something that our farmers have actually taught me that I had no idea of until I moved. I'm just a city boy from Fort Worth, Texas. But once I got out into into the country, began to learn some things about farming and harvesting, I found out that, that what I thought would be the easy part was actually the hardest part. The harvesting, the bringing in of the crop, the putting forth the sickle when it ripens. Sure, it's exciting to see the fruit coming. 
Sure, it's exciting to see it finally yield, but here's the question. Will you be able to not only obtain the harvest, but maintain the harvest? Will you be able to manage the promise when God gives it to you? Because the harvesting of the crop is actually difficult. The harvesting of the, of the crop will, will demand all of you. The, the harvesting, see, see, here's the thing, is it's dangerous when God gives you a blessing that you're not yet ready to receive. That all the while you were concerned about what they were gonna do, but you never worked on your character. All the while you were concerned about how this business was gonna bring in a crop for you or bring in a, a harvest for you, but then you can't manage your time well. Hello? You can't manage, you know, you've been praying for this home, but now you can't manage a mortgage payment because of your crazy spending. We, 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 we pray for the harvest, but can we, have we worked on ourselves so that when the harvest comes, we can go get it and then manage it and maintain it? Because the last thing I want is to receive a promise from God and it be so overwhelming that I can't handle it. That I've prayed for my spouse to get it right for so long and now she's finally coming to church. She's finally getting in the word. She's finally honoring me as, a, as, as her husband and as her leader, but I'm not respecting her as my wife and I haven't worked on my own character. Why do y'all get so quiet when we get on these parts? Okay, just smile at least and just, yeah, that's good. My toes hurt really bad, but that's that's. Just smile at least. That's, let me know you're there. Amen. I'm saying that there's a harvest to be acquired. There's a crop that's yielding. Man, it's gonna bud forth. You're gonna see results like you've been desiring, like you've been wanting to see. Worship team, if you come, you're gonna see God move. You're gonna see him do miraculous, marvelous things. But the final question is, can you handle it? Because see, here's what the process does. The process works on you, not the promise. God doesn't need any help getting his promise together. God doesn't need any help producing what you need. God doesn't need any help working. God, I don't know if you see her. She, she's doing that thing again. She's talking to me that way. She's, she, she's, she's you know, not respecting me as her husband. Blah, blah, blah. He doesn't need any help. He knows what's going on. He's saying, you pay attention to you. You don't need to worry about how. You don't need to worry about what's going on under the dirt. You don't need to worry about what happens when the seed goes in the ground. You plant the seed. You rise and rest and sleep because you're gonna need that rest because when the harvest comes in, you're gonna need to be able to manage it and receive it and Work it. I do not want to receive a crop, receive a promise, receive a harvest from God and have it destroyed in my hands. I don't. See, if we take the promises of God seriously and if we take... See... I've just, I've always said this, how you handle the seed determines how you will handle the tree. He starts with the seed to see if you'll care for it in its smallest form. In a state where it produces nothing for you. You know, that seed, you know, seed is selfish. 
Seed says, give me soil. Give me water. Give me sunlight. Take care of me. Feed me. I need this. I need that. You've got to be so careful with it. Be so careful with the environment of that seed. Is it too much water? Is it too little water? What's the environment like? All the attention is on that seed. But one day, if you manage the seed well, if you take care of the seed properly, one day it'll produce a harvest. But if we don't manage the seed, see, that's why he said, you were faithful with little. Now you'll be made ruler over much. We, we misquote it. We say, be faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. Be faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. But that's not what it says. It says, if you'll be faithful with little, you'll be made ruler, manager, meaning there's more work to do. See, when, when, that, when that servant reaped the tent, and then the master said, you've done well, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with little. You will be made ruler over much. Sure, maybe on the outside, he's like, yes, I did it. But on the inside, he's saying, that's 10. He wants me to rule 10. Can you manage it? Can you handle a healthy marriage? Can you handle not being victimized all the time? Can you handle a, a, a business that's flourishing and growing and all the customers and all the employees that you're going to have because of that? Can you handle children that are obedient and now you actually have to maintain that, that, that they're walking according to the Lord? Come on, we, we think. We think that freedom has less responsibility than slavery, but I'm telling you right now, freedom actually has more responsibility than slavery ever did. Slavery, you were just told what to do. You were just following orders, but freedom, freedom, now you've got to do it on your own. You've got to wake yourself up. you got to have to, you got to be able to manage your own time. you got to be able to, so sometimes there's a burden that's associated with what God is bringing into your life. And so if we handle the seed, allow our character to be developed, allow God to work on the environment and the soil, guess what? When the harvest comes, you'll be able to manage it. You'll welcome it and you'll manage it so that it continues to produce. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.